Welcome to Podcasts of Ravnica. I'm Greg Tito, host of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. You know, fans are excited for the first major product combining the lore of Magic the Gathering's Plane of Ravnica with D&D mechanics for fantasy role-playing in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. To celebrate the launch of Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, we asked the D20 Dames podcast to recruit new members of the D&D and Magic Live Play community to create 10 one-shot stories, each focusing on a different guild in the sprawling city of Ravnica. Hopefully by listening to these episodes, you get introduced to the possibilities of storytelling in Ravnica and maybe find one or two new podcasts to follow. To find out more about these groups and Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, available in game stores now and everywhere, November 20th, head to dnd.wizards.com slash ggtr or check out our live video programming on twitch.tv slash dnd. Have fun listening to this episode of Podcast of Ravnica, brought to you by Queens of Adventure, focusing on the cult of Rakdos. This special episode of Queens of Adventure is made possible by supporters on Patreon. This episode is not safe for work and probably shouldn't be listened to around small children. You know what I'm saying. you for joining us for this special episode of Queens of Adventure. Uh, before we begin our adventure in the world of Ravnica, <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Ravnica. Yeah. let's go around the table and do some introductions. My name is Harlot Oscara. You can find me on various internet websites, social media venues, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Harlot Oscara. Harlot spelled like Charlotte. Today I'll be playing Gabranth, a level six warlock who's a member of the cult of Rakdos. I revel in mayhem, the more destructive the better, and nobody gets to tell me what to do, but I come from a wealthy, well-known family in another guild, and I don't really want to embarrass them too much, so most of my tomfoolery is under the covers. <laughs> my name is Budelino Kipple. Um, I can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and now Twitter. I did get myself a little Twitter account. Uh, but today I will be playing as Barbara. That's B-A-R-B apostrophe R-A, just in case you want to spell it in your diary. Uh, uh, Barbara is a half-elf simic hybrid in the Rakdos cult. And I enjoy breaking delicate works of art and fingers, which are kind of the same, right? 
Hello, it's me, Matthew. I'm normally the DM for Queens of Adventure, but today I am Andras, a Loxodon druid, which means I'm, I'm a magical elephant. Uh, my uh, place in the cult of Rakdos is uh, I uh, restrain people and then strike them with various bludgeoning instruments to produce music. It's super fun. I'm a member of the Circle of Spores, so I have a lot of fungal-related magic to share with the world and uh, slowly cause the world to decay. I uh, literally eat the rich. <laughs> but it tastes bitter. <laughs> a lot of resentment in there. Well, that's why I tenderize them, you see. Ooh, ooh. scrumptious. My name is Freya. You can find me online, Freya underscore love on most of the things. Just don't look for me on Tumblr because it's mostly all the porn. I'm playing Lilith, which is spelled L-Y-L-I-F because it's, it's an actual letter in Iceland. Right. A monk goblin who enjoys testing people's patience. I'm very vexing. I work in bathhouses. Um, I took my sister with me, not to the bathhouse, but you know, we're just kind of living our crazy circus life while I blackmail people because it's great. And you know, I'm devoted to Rakdos and I live to impress him. Um, I enjoy my wildlife, but I don't want to embarrass my parents or my entire family. We have similar backgrounds. Yeah. Mildly. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Outside of this character, my name is Arseniki. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, as well as uh, Scruff and Farmers Only. <laughs> and uh, I am a barbarian uh, who is a Rakdos cultist, uh, chaotic neutral. I am a noise musician who has a drum machine that I like to play. I'm super tall, super gangly, super awkward. Uh, I believe in equality and I am not very trusting due to circumstances that have affected me in my life. And I'm hoping that I can use my influence to change the cult of Rakdos from the inside. Oh my. Oh, one minor detail. My name is Theodore without an E at the end. Theodor. Yeah. <laughs> the odor. Precisely. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> That's Theodorable. And hello, hi, I'm James. I'm going to be your dungeon master for this particular adventure. Of course, Matthew is the usual dungeon master, but I am no stranger to you. I have been your concierge, I have been your barb, I have been your Chernobyl, and I have been with the show from the very beginning, just cloaked in a veil of secrecy. And now that we all know each other intimately, let us begin. Let's hit it. It's night in the city of Ravnica. The sixth precinct, often boisterous at all hours, is silent. In the smelting quarter, a half-dozen Boros Legion soldiers tromp through the darkened street past row after row of boarded-up nightclubs. Pinned to the doors, edicts, reading, closed by order of the Azorius Senate. Far from the hustle and bustle of the city above, in a power station long abandoned by the Izzet League, one underground club remains open. The Izzet Steamworks. Nestled away from street traffic in a wall of Deadbridge Chasm, this place is one of the last refuges of your guild, the Cult of Rakdos. A two-story sanctuary decorated in your guild colors of red and black, it's dimly lit by flows of glowing magma churning through the pipes in the walls. In the center of the club, Masked humanoids dance in three spiked cages that hang from chains on the ceiling, dangling in a shaft between the two levels. 
The bar and dance floor upstairs and the main stage area down below are packed with humans, goblins, elves, and minotaurs in various states of undress and carnival attire, pressed together in the steamy mist, writhing with excitement. They're here to see you. Five performers defiant enough to continue performing for the pleasure of the great demon, Rakdos. You're in the dressing room, behind the stage. It's nearly showtime. When you hear through the wall... Five, six, seven, eight. Ladies and gentlemen of Ravnica, your attention, please. The show is about to begin. Let's roll initiative. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited. Oh, that was quick. I've never had my initiative announced by like Ooh, eight themes. Mm, that's a two for me. <laughs> I got a six. That's a three for me. <laughs> it's a no for me. <laughs> You're all far too slow. The Loxodon has an 11. Mm. <laughs> okay, so with uh, 18, we've got Lilith the Goblin Drunken Master. With 11, we've got Andras, the Loxodon Druid of Spores. Six is Gabronth, the Human Warlock of the Chain. Three, we've got the Zealot Barbarian Theodore. And with a big two, it's Barbara, the Semic Hybrid Bard of Swords. All right, Master of Ceremonies cracks his knuckles and steps into the spotlight to announce the first act. They say good things come in small packages, and this tiny tipsy tumbler is looking for the next good thing. Meet our goo goblin goblin, Lilith. So I'm going to use um, my gorgeous black and red silk that I dropped from the ceiling from, just rolling all the way down into a split. Just like pink. Yep. And do you... Perform? Oh, wow, well, yeah, just kidding. Well, I mean, that's my entrance. I was just waiting for the applause. <laughs> and waiting for me on that stage are five people. I make them moan notes, and I'm doing Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. In, in and, moan. Yeah. yeah. Marvelous. This is why you come to the Carnival of Rakdos, am I right? Our demonic benefactor knows you love sex and violence and whatever this is. <laughs> and it gives us absolute pleasure to deliver. And speaking of delivering... Is someone about to have a baby? Who knows? Anything can happen in the cult of Rakdos. We love a Lee Bowery number. I mean, maybe. Anything can happen. In fact, welcome to the stage, the ponderous plague pachyderm promising plenty of pain, the one, the only, scandalous Honduras! I brush my way past everyone and fling open the curtain, emerging into a spotlight, I assume? Absolutely. You you tell me what the people see. How fabulous. I uh, am dazzled by the spotlight for a moment, and then the curtain slowly moves apart to reveal uh, several people around me who are bound uh, to the wall. Uh, I throw off the cloak that I'm wearing, and I have strapped to my body various bludgeoning implements uh, that I use to play a drum roll on the various people around me. Our next performer is a puppet master who can pull my strings any day. The pact of the matter is its resident warlock, Gabranth. Um, so before the game started, I already had my fly spell activated. So I'm going to hover out from between the curtains, staying just about a foot and a half off the ground. I'm going to do three quick Wonder Woman twirls. And then all of a sudden in my right hand, you see my glockenspiel. In my left hand, you see my, uh, my marionette, which is my magical focus. Using the two of those together at the same time. The marionette's actually playing the glockenspiel with its feet. 
I'm, I'm performing for the for the crowd, and in so doing, I cast Toll the Dead, and everyone in the audience starts hearing onerous bells, and they start taking necrotic damage. One d twelve. Okay, she is killing this gig. Great, go ahead and roll roll a d (laughs) twelve. The audience is dying, (laughs) but I'm living. It's kind of like that one moment when Sigurdos was playing. The sound of their music caused a large number of people in the audience to just instantly pass out, like uncontrollably, (laughs) inexplicably. No one understood what it was. Maybe it was one hundred and forty-four gigahertz. I don't know, but they're just. A select number of people who don't meet my... What's my save for that? So, um, Toll the Dead typically affects a single target, but we'll say that because of the amplification here on stage, uh, you can do this, and your save is going to be a 15. Anyone who doesn't match that collapses into a heap on the floor because my glockenspiel playing is so onerous. All right, so... You know that part at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring where Sauron's fingers get chopped off and a shockwave goes out through the whole army and flattens everyone? So it's not exactly like that, but what happens is the sound goes out through the first rows of the audience and a few people lose consciousness and fall backward in sort of like a wave, and the crowd loves it. Wasn't that something? Well, as we at the Cult of Rakdos like to say, tomorrow is an illusion and everything is ridiculous, and this is certainly getting ridiculous. (laughs) Drink up. Remember, tomorrow's hangover is just an illusion. Now then, you can travel the whole world from one end of the city to the other. Search in all ten of the guilds of Ravnica. Hell, even ask the living guild pack if that flake's in town. You'll never witness anything quite like our next performer... Our next performer's look is all the rage. Hell, everything's all the rage with this barbaric beauty. It's tall drank of water, Theoda. <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll just sort of like saunter onto the stage in my like lumbering, awkward ways, dressed in my all black. And simply all I will do is whip out my drum machine, turn the tempo all the way up to 300 beats per minute, and hit all of the sequencer buttons on my drum machine, and then hit play. And all you hear is over and over and over again at top volume. Andres is attempting to match that uh, BPM uh, and has to use his trunk. Uh, he has bludgeoning, a bludgeoning tool in <laughs> that he's slapping people with. Lilith's um, trying to keep up too. And it's, uh, it's artistic noise. All of a sudden, you just hear, you know, Dance of the Sugar Pump Fairy and a bunch <laughs> <Really> of... <laughs> <laughs> at 300 BPM. <laughs> You will not see a musical spectacular like this at any other club because all the other clubs have been shut down by the Azorius Senate. <laughs> and last, let me ask you, how many tickles does it take to get into the College of Swords? <laughs> Ten tickles, apparently. Give it up for our semic hybrid bob, Barbara. <laughs> Are you uh, a tickle monster? I am. <laughs> and I also have uh, two tentacle-like appendages. That, uh, in addition like, to arms. In addition to arms. Uh, that sort of like come out from my shoulder blades and are often just kind of like uh, lane. Yeah, they're just often lane like a really stylish scarf like around my neck. Uh, but when I'm playing my bass guitar, which is also uh, looks like a double-sided axe uh, and is also my magical focus item, uh, w- once the curtains open, I'm going to have like really dim side lighting that's like pink on one side and blue on the 
other. And I'm gonna do like a Bootsy Collins style like bass riff, like just like that. Um, and then I'm going to take off my bass guitar axe and chuck it in the air, doing a seven rotation, sort of like color guard style saber twirl. And then after I catch it in complete silence, I'm gonna start singing. Will you tell me once again how we're gonna be just friends? <laughs> if you're for real and not pretend, then I guess you can hang with me. And my head bows and the lights yeah. go. So after Barbara takes their bow, the five of you have the stage. And what are you gonna do to bring this performance together and really turn it into something that's going to wow this audience. Can we all just simultaneously do the split? I mean, I'm already there. Oh my god. I'm already kind of there, so. Yeah, like right when I catch my bass guitar, we should all just kind of land in the splits, I think. We should all use Firebolt and bring down the house. (laughs) On the four corners of the building. Ah, bring down the house. (laughs) That's that's my vote. Shameless. I'm not afraid of causing damage to people in the, oh, it's so pretty. Does that get you a point of inspiration? (laughs) If, if, if we do it. Okay. If we all agree to do it. Sure, is. let's do it, Jan. For the listeners, here's how we're handling inspiration in this game. Each of the players has got three cards with random theatrical prompts on them. Things like break a leg, bring down the house, make an entrance. And anytime that they can find an opportunity to use those cards, they'll earn themselves a point of inspiration. I'm going to point for the southwest corner and get ready, like Charlie's Angel style. Should we all take a corner? I think we all have Fireball, right? Right. Uh, Well, the magic users. Magic users, okay. I think if we take three corners, that'll... That'll be a good attempt to bring the house down. The Illuminati will be pleased. Oh my god, I love it. Okay, all of you are dropping into the splits. Three of you in a Charlie's Angels pose, shooting firebolts into the ceiling. So let's have everybody roll performance. And those of you that are using Firebolt, you can do it with advantage. I'm delighted to announce that Andres has rolled a natural one. <laughs> you better work. But you have, you're using Firebolt, right? Uh, I am using Firebolt. So you can roll again. Oh. Girl, I, I rolled an 18. Andres has rolled a two. Great. Uh, and so uh, I suppose I uh, point my trunk upward to spray the tent above us or the building. Like, what kind of structure are we in? So looking out over the stage, you see a bunch of people in the first several rows lying on their back, flattened. Uh, and then you also see that you are on the lower level of a two-story club. It's actually open to the second level from where you are. And there are three cages hanging on chains in front of you with uh, people dancing in them and so your firebolt goes flying out and uh, tell me what happens um i have set these cages ablaze and uh <laughs> now the dancers are wreathed in flame and it is up to them how uh how they would like to incorporate this into their performance oh my god i mean that kind of sounds hot though i hope they have hellish resistance <laughs> uh well their options are limited because one of them comes crashing down into the audience Uh, which causes the Master of Ceremonies to applaud with great enthusiasm. Uh, Some of the people in the front of the audience are revived. And how's everybody else's performance looking? Um, I rolled an 18. Great. I rolled a 15. All right. So you did impressive moves. Tell me what you did. Use all appendages of mine, hands, feet, to hold on to an undercarriage while everyone shoots whichever direction I was supposed to go. Wait, there's a carriage in here now? (laughs) I am going to... uh, 
go into I'm going to slowly lower myself into a slow split and as I do that I'm going to turn the BPM on my drum machine down to its minimum once I hit the ground so it's fading as you as you fade exactly the ground. perfect I got a 13 mm-hmm. for Barbara okay so that one wasn't so great so uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me know what you intended to do mm, uh, so let's see well I intended Intended to uh, re- to shoot for like one of the beams that holds the second level up, mm-hmm. you know, to like literally bring that level down. Mm-hmm. And I just did some sort of like hand clappy, like hand jive, mm-hmm. hand jive style movements, like while I'm in the splits that end in like a <laughs> kind of style, like yeah. limp wristed motion where my firebolt came out of. Well, so your firebolt flies off and hits one of the cages next to the one Andres hit. <laughs> oh, uh, it goes rocking back and forth. The dancer inside clings to the spiked bars for dear life as the chain liquefies and the cage plunges into the lower level again smashing into audience members waking a few more up in the front row and again delighting the master of ceremonies yeah. he is uh, applauding for this very avant-garde performance <laughs> literally killing this performance. It's a commentary on the human condition. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the human condition is flammable. <laughs> yeah. And Harlot, you earned a point of inspiration for using your bring down the house prompt. Congratulations. You can use that at any time on a d20 roll to roll a second time or to counteract disadvantage. Wonderful. All right. The MC is... Uh, applauding, steps up to the front of the stage and says, all right, all right, now we're really cooking. Step right up. Don't be shy. Who volunteers for a taste of our fabulous floggers? Hands go up all around the crowd as a young elf makes his way toward the stage. But before he can reach it, you hear a voice boom through the lower level of the club. This establishment is hereby seized by the Azorius Senate for flagrant crimes and violations. Remain calm. Lie down on the ground with your hands, tentacles, and or claws clasped firmly behind your head. Cooperate with the arresters and no harm will come to you. At the back of the room, you see a knight in shining silver armor emblazoned with angelic wings. He rides a massive feline celestial beast. He's flanked by two soldiers on either side, wearing similar, if much less ostentatious, uniforms. (laughs) The five men press their way through the narrow opening leading to the main exit. For a beat... Everything hangs silent. Some of the crowd are looking at the Azorius arresters, but most of them are looking to you. Looks like it's fight or flight time, folks. Which one's it going to be? Is there a stage door? Uh, yeah, there is, a, <laughs> there is a back door that you're aware of. Do we puncture any holes in the walls or ceiling? From where you are, on the stage, looking out toward the back of the house, you can see that there's a second level of the club that looks down onto the main stage. Between the two levels is one cage hanging from a chain with a panicked dancer inside. On either side of that cage are broken chains where the other cages had been. And in the corner of the ceiling, there's a scorch mark where Gabrant's spectacular firebolt display had struck. But you know that this underground club is literally underground, so escaping through the ceiling probably isn't going to be viable. I use my mold earth cantrip to scoop up five cubic feet of dirt from the ground and deposit it on top of the night and its mount. Ah. Can you read to me what mold earth does? You choose a portion of dirt or stone that you can see within range that fits in a five-foot cube. If you target an area of loose earth, you can instantaneously evacuate 
it, move it along the ground, and deposit it up to five feet away. It doesn't have enough force to cause damage. Okay, so you've essentially dumped a, a five-foot cube of dirt onto this knight in shining armor and his celestial feline beast. Yes, I want to humiliate and distract them. What's the meaning of this? Seize them! Uh, he points toward the stage, and you are now in combat. Let's hope I get to roll another 18. Well, so we're going to keep your initiative rolls. Ah, uh-huh. well, then I, I rolled an 18, so there we go. By the way, at some point I've noticed that four out of five of these men look very familiar. I'm just not going to say which four, because <laughs> I like to keep my secrets to myself. Unless I need to use them. So you do kiss and tell for the right price. Well, I mean, I do work at the Steamworks, so... Or Steamworks adjacent. What is this place called again? Uh, this is the Is It Steamworks. Is It Steamworks. I can't believe it's not Steamworks. <laughs> I can believe it's not Steamworks, because I don't see any steam. Or people working. There's three arresters. There are four arresters. Oh, there are, and the fi- the night arrestor. The night. And so do they all go at the exact same time? They do. They, they act on the same initiative. Well, fuck them. That's just not fair. First in the order is Lilith. So I'm on the stage at this very moment. Yeah, to situate you, you are on the stage. Uh, It's probably about 40 feet to the wall at the back of the house on the lower level. At the back of the audience, the four arresters, the knight arrester, and the celestial beast are coming through a set of double doors in the middle of the wall. It's the liquor control board, basically. Yeah. And they're here to make sure we don't have fun. Or nipples. <laughs> oh my god. In the same, no booze, no nipples in the same room. How far away from them are are they from me? Uh, about 40 feet. But I'm going to move towards the arresters and I'm going to use Fury of Blows. Flurry of Blows? Okay, yeah. so uh, the way Flurry of Blows works is first you make a regular attack ah. and then you follow it up by spending a point to do uh, your two unarmed attacks. Yeah, so let's roll a d20. Eight, 18. 18. Uh, <laughs> And so I'm really uh, liking this. You've got your beaded staff, I believe, that you chose as your monk weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the damage on that? 1d6 plus 4. 1d6 plus 4. Okay. Yeah. So uh, 18 is going to hit. Uh-huh. Go ahead and roll a 1d6 plus 4. See how much damage you're going to do. 2 plus 4 or 6. Okay. So you're going to do 6 points of damage to that arrestor. Do you want to follow that up with a flurry, flurry of blows? blows? Absolutely. All right. So uh, you're going to spend one key point, and then you're going to make an unarmed strike. 14. 14 plus 7, so that is going to hit, and uh, you're going to roll a 1d6 plus 4. <laughs> 4. Okay, so that's 8 plus 6 from your first strike for a total of 14, and you are going to knock the first arrestor out. Do you want to kill him? It's your I mean, choice. duh. All right. How do you want to do it? <laughs> um, so you're going to hear in the background the Mortal Kombat thing that says, finish her, or him. <laughs> Or they, them. Finish them. Um, (laughs) And what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Oh, God, this is going to be really fun. Um, I have pretty sharp teeth, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump up onto him, kind of wrestling style, wrap my legs around his neck, kind of twirl him around and drop him down to the floor, and I'm going to take a giant, massive bite, oh my and gosh. he's just going to bleed to death and scream. Great. And just to paint a picture here, you're about three feet tall, and this is a six-foot-tall man in armor that you are flinging around and then chomping through the armor, presumably, with your very, very sharp teeth. Yes. Perfect. It's like a can opener. They do call her the tuna can opener for a reason. <laughs> tuna. <laughs> It's what's for dinner. (laughs) And with Flurry of Blows, you are able to make now a second unarmed strike. Oh my gosh. 
Um, well, since I'm kind of on the ground, I'm going to um, kind of do a handstandy uh, Chun Li kick towards the next arrester. Okay, that's going to be another D20. 16. All right, plus seven. That is going to hit, so that's another 1D6 plus four. I'm a fucking beast. 1D6 plus four. Yeah, this is why I love his level six monk. One, so plus four, five. Okay, so that's five (laughs) off of him. Okay. Uh, So he stumbles, takes a step back, and you still have one more main attack. That was just your bonus action. Let's do stunning strike just cuz. Stunning strike just cuz. Okay, so uh, stunning strike costs a key point. And I'm going to hit my mark as well. You are going to hit your mark for a point of inspiration? Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Stunning strike and hit my mark. Uh, Six plus seven is 13. All right. You take a step toward the arrester, hitting your mark and finding the perfect light. And uh, with a twirl, you bring your beaded staff down on the arrester's neck. But at the last moment, he shifts and the staff just glances off his shining armor. And uh, he is looking at you with very wide eyes. He saw what happened to his friend. He is worried the same fate awaits him, and uh, he is planning what his next move is going to be. But the next move is not his. The next move is Andrus. I have a hold person ability that I could cast on this knight uh, to try to hold him in place while we get everybody else out of here. If somebody blew a hole in the wall, would that be an escape route, or are we, like, underground? You know that this underground club is, in fact underground and behind that wall is the undercity specifically the sewers which are the domain of the golgari swarm andres you're on good terms with the golgari as a member of the circle of spores they consider you a steward of decay okay does anybody have the ability to blast an escape route for the audience and everybody else to just flee this raid would elch blast do enough damage as a third level spell to bust a hole in the wall? I think that you can probably identify a weak point in the wall. I could utilize my Eldritch Lance to make it work to 300 feet away, and I get to add my Charisma modifier to it, so let's do it. Eldritch Lance is my first boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, I'm going to try to hold person on both the knight and the arrester that's fighting with Freya. So you're casting this at a higher spell slot? Yes, I'm using a third level spell slot for this one. So he's going to have to, they're both going to have to succeed on a wisdom saving throw. Wisdom, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, these knights uh, don't look like the <laughs> wisest guys in the kingdom. Uh, that's a 15. Uh, that fails. My spell save DC is 16. Okay, so the arrester is held. Sorry, that was the main knight? Oh, the knight, okay. Uh, so he is held. Okay, great. And the arrester also rolled a 15. Okay. <laughs> so they are both held, which means they are... So they are both paralyzed. Which means they have the incapacitated condition, which means all attacks against them have advantage. Uh, and if they hit, they are critical strikes. So um, we can either attack them and do some damage on them, but I think uh, what I'd like to do is get all these people out of here. Uh, so I've got people chained to the wall as part of my performance. You can just blast a hole straight through wherever they're chained up and get people out into the sewer. I love it. Oh, into the sewer. I see what you're Aww. doing here. Mm. <laughs> the sewers of Ravnica. We're Andrus, you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrus, that was your action. Are you going to take a bonus action or move, or are you going to stay put? With that spell cast, I let loose a, a tremendous trumpeting of my trunk, uh, and I don't think... <laughs> <laughs> that was very tremendous. <laughs> very tremendous, Gab. And no, I don't think I have any other uh, bonus actions or moves that I want to do at this point. Uh, basically just standing my ground. Fair enough. 
Next in the order is the Celestial Feline. Okay, thanks to your whole person spell, the man on top of it is now paralyzed. He's unsteady in the saddle, but he's still in there pretty firmly. The creature doesn't want its rider to fall off, so it's not going to move very far. And at this point, some of you recognize that this creature is a Philidar. That is a Celestial Mount of the Liev Column. The Liev Column is the law enforcement branch of the Azorius Senate. What does it look like? It is a giant Celestial Cat, kind of like Battle Cat, with curved horns and and massive fangs and wears sort of golden crystal encrusted armor. And it is standing right by Lilith, who is in front of the soldier who is being held. And what it's going to do is multi-attack at Lilith. It's going to start by chomping into her a bite for a bite. (laughs) So it rolled a two for total that is not sufficient. And it is then going to follow up with a swipe of its mighty paw and its claws. 22. And that is going to hit four. For 15 points of piercing damage. It's cool. I've got 57. You mean 57 minus 15? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. 57 minus 15. Where's my phone? (laughs) 42. And I think that's the meaning of life. 42, right? And with that, the Philidar is going to take a few steps backward into the doorway uh, in an attempt to block the door and also to kind of brace the knight on the saddle so he doesn't go slumping off into oblivion. Is he just kind of like rattling around inside his armor right now? Uh, He is, yeah, with uh, birds flying around his head, (laughs) sloshing around in there. And so the Philidar's move is complete. Next up is those arresters. So there were two of them that are still mobile and active. One of them is being held by Andres's spell. The two that are active are going to surround Lilith because she has attacked their friend. And they are going to attack her with a long sword. However, the drunken master is just too wily and is able to duck and weave and swerve under the longsword slashes. Bob and weave, if you will. They come again with second attack, and this one, one of them is going to make contact. So one of them just swings wildly between Lilith's legs and misses completely. The other one just comes down with... I mean, I'm three feet tall, so it would look like a cute little ballet move. Uh, catches her uh, during the ballet move on the shoulder, doing a big three points of slashing damage. I had a nice little, you know, oh God, I can't think of words right now. Jesus Christ. Spalder? No. Rash? No. Bolero? <laughs> no. Circus fire? Possible. Makeup. What is it called? Tattoo? No. Henna tattoo? <laughs> said makeup. You know what? Don't even... I'm <laughs> Foundation lipstick eyeliner. <laughs> and next in the order is Gabranth. So looking at this character sheet, can I do two Eldritch Blasts in one round? You can. Shimmer, I had shimmer there. There we go. Mm. She's blast. She's having oh, a blast. She can do it twice in one turn. <laughs> I'm going to do two Eldritch Blasts in one round, both mm-hmm. of which have a range of 30 feet, and I get to add my, con- my charisma modifier to each of those. Mm-hmm. Um, one is going to hit... Battle cat, and one is gonna blast a hole in the wall where all the people are chained up. And I think I'm just gonna shoot straight through the middle person and just try and leave his hands and his ankles attached to the <laughs> wall. But if I can blow a hole through his body, <laughs> that sounds great. Okay, make your attack rolls. So that was a five. Was that the one aimed at the cat? Yeah, that was the one aimed at the cat. Okay. The one at, aimed at the wall, though, I'm gonna roll with advantage. Oh, sure. I'm gonna use my inspiration point. Cool. Twelve was the first. 
and two is the second. Okay, so the 12 is gonna do it. Facing out toward the audience from the stage, you extend a finger and you blast one beam at the celestial cat. It goes right by its ear. Uh, it goes uh, It does not strike, but then you whirl around at Andres's, uh manaphone that he has set up and blast right through the person in the center dealing how much damage? Dealing 1d10 plus 4. 11. All right, so with that 11 points of damage, it goes through the center of that person. If they had been able to uh, defend themselves or react or take any kind of save, uh, it might have been different, but they were chained up to a rack and essentially (laughs) incapacitated. So it goes right through the middle of them and goes out the back and hits the wall, not destroying it completely, but you hear a definite thunk as it hits the stone and the gravel starts Mm. to fall away and you can see sort of dust falling from the stones. I feel like his body would turn into like irradiated green ash as would the part of the wall that I struck with my short sure. uh, yeah. yeah so a, a greenish halo spreads out from the wound starting at the center of the torso out to the extremities <coughs> until all that is left is uh, a pile of gray greenish ashen ash the audience cheers they are loving this and you hear someone shriek yes blast me daddy <laughs> Uh, and that was your action. You can still take a bonus action or move if you'd like. Um, I'm gonna laugh like an old villain from the movies in the 60s. <laughs> All right, so the knight is next in the order. And Matthew, can you tell me with hold person, is he able to make a saving throw here? At the end of each of its turn, the target can make another wisdom saving throw. On success, the spell ends on the target. Okay, so obviously he's not going to be able to do anything during the turn, so we're going to consider this the end, and he rolled a five, so he is still held by the spell. What is the audience doing right now? Hopefully (laughs) fleeing. The audience is actually loving it. So this is something about <laughs> yeah, the they're throwing ones. Yes. They're like crumpling up ones and throwing them at the stage. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. It. This is something that all of you as members of the cult know that whenever six members of the cult of Rakdos perform, there's the possibility of the performance becoming a carnival and a <laughs> carnival of Rakdos has the effect of even if people want to look away, they have to watch and they have to move closer to the center of the action uh, unless they're able to resist the the thrall of the carnival and most of the people who are here tonight were not able to resist the thrall so they are swept up in it and they are loving it and uh they're really on the verge of breaking out into a riot and doing full audience participation yeah into it next up is theodore um so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to move closer to the arresters, the mm-hmm. active ones that have been dogging Lilith, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be like, I wanna throw a party, but I don't want it to be a kickback. I want it to be a rager, <laughs> and I wanna go into a rage. All right. Uh, what what does it look like when Theodore goes into a rage? Um, canned heat. What was that? Is it like canned heat? You know, yeah. you're just like doing a dance on stage. Uh, <laughs> um, let's Napoleon see. Dynamite. Right. <laughs> like an arson turns into Napoleon Dynamite and boom, there's some. Uh, I, I, here's what I do. I, I take my hands and I put them into my hair and I pull out fistfuls of hair from my head. Amazing. The arresters, uh, if you thought that they looked surprised at what Lilith had done, this also 
catches them off guard. Uh, they they thought they knew what to expect from this group, but this is something totally different. All right, so you're going to uh, attack these arresters. We got one who is held by Andres's magic, and we've got two who are on the other side of the Philidar, uh, who's now sort of backed into the doorway. I'm going to get the two ones that are not being held, so that we can subdue them through death. Okay. <laughs> um, I've got a lot of stuff to use with rage too, mm-hmm. so I'm excited about this. Um, can I attack the same target twice? Oh, sure. <gasps> well, I'm going to attack one of the arresters twice to see if I can do more damage that way. Alright, let's roll a d20 to see how your first attack goes. So I rolled an 11 first. Just six seconds. <laughs> okay, but your modifier there is uh, plus six, right? Oh, holy crap! You have uh, well, plus six uh, on strength. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that, that is a minor technicality. So that would be seventeen and twelve. Okay, so you uh, from the you've got the red patches on your head where your hair was uh, throbbing and pulsating as your big gangly arms come around with this trident and you jab it right into the chest of one of the arresters. Oh my god. And roll 1d6 plus 3 for your base damage and then we'll figure out where we go from there. Okay, so I rolled a 6. Okay, so plus 3 is 9. Plus 2 for rage. Yes. Plus another 1d6 plus 6. What? For your divine fury. <laughs> Holy <mother>. A six! <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's 23, I think? So, yes. Yeah, so one strike? Needless to say, the trident goes through the heart and lungs of this arrester, which burst out of his back. Oh, my uh, God. Through, like, like a can of tuna, the back of his armor splits open, and all the contents within fall out the back of it. As you come around now for your second attack toward the buddy he had next to him. So, let's... Uh, what was your second roll? Uh, it was a total of 12. It was a total of 12 with the plus six. Yes. Okay. So uh, with that one, uh, your trident is slick and greasy with the viscera of the man. <laughs> That's that it just, viscera of man. Yes. <laughs> that it just pierced. And so uh, it, even though it makes contact with the second arrestor, it just kind of slides off his armor, leaving a, a, a gory streak across his breastplate. And he looks down and shudders because this is... <laughs> Wicked gross. Cool. <laughs> They're fucking with the wrong people. This right. is fucking metal right that's now. Gonna, <laughs> that's gonna I really want to see this get animated and put on Adult Swim. <laughs> right. Right. Have the people who do Metalocalypse. Can you just write in our evil campaign, please? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, next up is Barbara. Mm. Well, I mean, first I'm just gonna be like, Ugh, I guess I'll fight. I'm like. <laughs> Whatever. Life is a fight. Can you sort of like describe the scene that's like, all this is happening like right in front of me? All of this sure, like, so you're hubbub. still on stage and looking out across the audience, you can see Theodore and Lilith are standing by in a the pile of blood. Doorway, yes, in a pile of blood and parts. <laughs> in the doorway, the doorway is blocked by this giant cat with mm-hmm. a paralyzed knight kind of wobbling on top of it. Back on the stage, you, Barbara, and Gabranth and Onderus 
are still standing there. There is a, a pile of greenish ash, and there's a wall behind you that's sort of shimmering greenish and magical with some dust falling off of it. Okay, I'm going to dash into the situation. Okay. I think I'm just going to attack with my axe, like my axe base. Okay, so what we're going to do is start with that first attack against the guy on the Philidar. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to roll a d20 <laughs> and add six. Uh, and you're going to roll this with advantage because he is paralyzed. Sweet. That's a four to begin with. And a six. Uh, plus a 12. Uh, that is a 12. So unfortunately, that attack is not going to hit. But you do have an extra attack. Yeah, let's just do that again. Mulligan. There's a five. Oh, my goodness. And an 18. Oh, okay, plus six. So that I'll is take that definitely <laughs> going to hit. And you are going to score a critical hit against him yeah. uh, because he is incapacitated. So roll 2d6 and add five to it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. 13 total. 13 total. Christina, bring her the axe. <laughs> and now, since you uh, struck, if you want to follow through with your flourish, yeah. uh, go ahead and roll one of those d8 for your bardic inspiration. <laughs> oh, that's a one. Okay, one additional point of damage. And which of your three blade flourishes do you want to follow up with? You can either move the Knight Arrester, you can do a point of damage to the Philidar he's riding on, or you can increase your armor class by one until your next turn. I'm going to do use a mobile flourish on the on the Arrester that's still on the Philidar. Okay. And I'm going to, with lots of flourish, mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, whip my like axe around. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna like try to knock him back from whence he came, just okay. like out the door, and just like you know, get out of here. Okay. So with that flourish, you do uh, extra damage. Your axe comes down on that shining armor with the angel wings. Sparks fly off of it as your axe scrapes across the breastplate, and he is knocked back, tits over teacup, over the ass of the cat, and uh, lands on his head. And he rolls into the lobby of the theater. Goodbye. And are you good with your turn? I'm just going to kind of look and look at the audience to be like, no ticket. <laughs> <laughs> this one didn't pay cover. All right. So the audience is definitely getting worked up. People are getting foamy at the mouth. They're rending their garments. They're girding their loins. They're gritting their teeth. And uh, next up in the order is Lilith. It's me. Hi again. Okay, so I'm going to use Fury of the Small, Mm -hmm. which for those of you who don't know, I am three feet and Fury of the Small is when you damage a creature with an attack and the creature's size is larger than you, and I'm going to use this on the kitty cat. Meow. Uh, You can cause the attack to deal six extra damage to the creature once you use this trait. You can't use it until you've had a longer short rest. Okay. All right. So what I'm going to do is how far away is the cat from me? Like, it's still pretty close to me. It's about 10 feet. Yeah, I mean, you could easily. So I'm going to spit at it, first of all. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) And I'm going to dash towards him and do a... What's his name from Street Fighter? Not Gambit. That's that's a complete... No, not Rio. Blanca? No. um, G.I. Joe. Guile. Guile. I'm going to do a guile sort of kick Mm -hmm. to where it just, like, at its mouth. Okay. Um, And that's that's just my first attack. Certainly. We're going to call that an unarmed strike. Okay. 
Should I roll? Uh, you should roll a d20. Uh, plus seven, I believe. For spinning attack. Ah, oh, damn right? it. Two plus seven. So um, overall, that is a nine. Uh, that is not going to be sufficient. The Philidar looks very confused, but it, it doesn't look unhappy about it. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> All right. And then for attack number two, since that obviously missed, I'm going to jump and kind of grab its whiskers and try to shut its mouth. Grapple okay. it, kind of like grab its whiskers, jump onto its face and like tie his mouth shut using his whiskers or its whiskers. Do you want to just sort of hold its face? I mean, since I'm going to be writing its face, could I like shoot my legs back into its eyes? You could do that. I think we'd have you spend a key point and call it a stunning strike. Okay, cool. Why don't you go ahead and roll a d20? Big money. Oh, 17. 17. Okay, plus seven. So that's going to hit. Let's roll your regular damage first, though. So for that first attack, uh, we're going to do 1d6 plus four. And we'll use your Fury of the Small here as well, since it didn't go off the first time. Right. So you, you've, you like, grabbed its face and you're, like, pummeling it with your feet? Is that what's happening? While tying its mouth shut with its own whiskers. With its own whiskers. <laughs> okay. Two, four, so six. Okay, so that was uh, a six, and then you add to it another six for the Fury of the Small, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so you did... Twelve. Twelve points of damage, and do you want to follow that up now with the Stunning Strike? Yes. All right, so Kitty is going to have to succeed on a saving throw, or it's going to have to become stunned. I'm going to have the cat roll with disadvantage because its mouth is full. <laughs> it's distracted. That's going to do it. You have successfully stunned the Philidar. I'm stunning. Stun. And are you just going to hang out on his face uh, and end your turn there? <laughs> I mean, I think since we its mouth is like kind of shut, can I like do a cute little backflip onto its uh, saddle? I mean, I'm assuming Homeboy sure. is no longer on there, right? Yeah, he's no longer on there. So, so I'm going to yeah. backflip onto the saddle. All right, perfect. And then she's do like a do like a, um, a Farrah Fawcett Mm. <laughs> Are you on their side? So for just a moment, everything in the club freezes and like a flash bulb goes off. And your hair moves Sickening. in slow motion while you go. <sighs> I wish I had long hair. I have a pixie cut. But yeah, <laughs> it's the beard that's flowing, really. You know. All right. Next up, Andres. Andres has been watching all this action and is salivating at the sight of all the gore on that trident. He wants to lick it like the uh, spatula that someone used to mix a cake batter. (laughs) But for now, I'm going to step backwards uh, to that back wall that has been crumbled and use my Loxodon powerful build, which allows me to push up to 660 pounds Mm -hmm. to, uh, without I'm still looking out into the audience. My back is to the wall, but I'm going going to uh, kick one of my legs backwards in a kind of a pose like Grace Jones on the cover of Island Life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to push backwards against the wall to try to collapse it into the sewer so that there is an escape route out of the club when we are done killing all of these chumps. All right, make an just athletics check. Let people really know there's not just a fucking hole in the wall. The entire wall is gone, so y'all can escape now. All right, athletics is not great for me, but let's see what happens. All right, with your powerful build, you can roll that with advantage. Okay, here we go. That was a 12. A natural 20. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Natural 20. Tell me what happens. 
I gracefully position my left foot against the back wall and then uh, stick out my arms in a sort of like a T pose forward and backwards and lean forward and push back with my leg at the same time and that wall crumbles down into an enormous cloud of rubble and dust and debris. All of the people who were chained up to the wall there fall backwards into the sewer that was behind it and they just start to float down the current of water that was in the sewer pipe (laughs) behind us and uh, I stick my trunk rigidly straight out into the audience pointing at one of the arresters that has been killed and I prepare to use my fungal infestation to raise it from the dead. Oh my god. Yeah! Great! Okay, so normally fungal infestation is a reaction uh, that you would use at the time the person died when they're within 10 feet of you, but these are unique circumstances. So I'm going to say it's okay to do this as an action. Tell me what happens when you use your fungal infestation. The invisible cloud of spores that surrounds me at all times makes its way through the audience and like a cloud surrounds one of the bodies on the ground, lifting it up into the air like a marionette. It is now an undead zombie that obeys my commands with one hit point, but nobody needs to know that. Uh, (laughs) And I'm going to command it to attack one of its still living companions, which it will have to do at the end of my turn. Normally, I'd recommend getting that treated, but <laughs> right, not this time. I make the most of my spores. I'm I've learned to live with them. You're a fun guy. <laughs> You're being a really good spore about this. <laughs> that is the conclusion of Andres's turn. He has maintained that yoga-like pose. <laughs> one hand forward, one hand back, leg splayed out behind him into the hole in the wall. And now it is going to be that undead arrestor's turn. Uh, and I'm going to command him to attack one of his companions. Sure. So he is going to make an attack against the one that is being held by your hold person spell. BT Dubs, can this be my zombie? Can this be the one that Freya bit the crotch of? <laughs> absolutely. I, I think it, I think it absolutely would be. Uh, so he is right next so to his he's friend. he's just sitting there held. bleeding from the crotch area. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Amazing. I love this. And uh, can you tell me what his... Well, actually, Matthew, you, you have the information, so why don't you go ahead and roll his attack with advantage, since the target is incapacitated. I rolled an 18 and a 10. And tell me how much damage that does. Oh, it's actually a critical hit because it's against an incapacitated creature. Oh. So you can roll twice and add the modifier. So as a zombie, uh, he does not have his regular attacks. He just has to slam himself uh, into his target. So it's going to be a plus three to the attack. And then it's going to be a 1d6. 2d6. Uh, 2d6 plus 1. So that's going to be a 1 plus 3 plus 1. 5. 5 is just enough. His shambling, lifeless body makes repeated contact against his incapacitated friend who is looking on with horror. He's incapacitated, but he is fully conscious of what's happening. So he is seeing his friend who rose up with his drop crotch missing and has bashed him body on body and uh, has now joined him in death. (laughs) I do love me a crotchless zombie. Can I refer to my zombie as a crotchless chap? Yes. Yes, crotchless Crotchless chap chap. uh, is now uh, just standing there over his victim and there is one regular arrester left. There is a incapacitated arrester flopped out in the lobby and there is a giant celestial cat 
blocking the main exit of the club, and the crowd at this point is going wild. As Meatloaf would say, they're starting to foam in the heat. I let out another bellowing, trumpeting sound from my trumpet, from my trunk, uh, (laughs) to pass the turn along to whoever's next. Can I call the zombie a spore tea spice? Ah. Yes, you can. (laughs) Thanks. It is the Philidar's Philidar? Matthew, we looked up how to pronounce this. Philidar? Philidar. Philidar. It's like feline. Because you're feeling it. From oh. the darkness. I'm really feeling it. It's like uh, Felis Catus. <laughs> All right, well, the Philidar is stunned by Lilith's stunning strike. Stunning. And is not going to be able to do anything until the end of Lilith's turn. So, so the like Philidar, a regular cat, basically. Yeah, it, it's just not feeling it, so, or Philidaring it. And next up is the last arrester, and he is worried. Uh, He is looking around. He sees uh, Sporty Spice standing over the body of one of his buddies. He sees the kitty cat is not looking its best, and the knight who is in charge of this operation uh, similarly not offering a lot of help. And so he is going to take the dash action, uh, and he is going to run out into the lobby, up the stairs as far as he can. He's going to run 60 feet and he is going to sound an alarm while he is doing it, calling for reinforcements. So he is dashing up the stairs, shouting, alarm! Alarm! Reinforcements needed! Pound the alarm. Uh, And that is his turn. He is uh, 60 feet up the stairs through the lobby. Too bad no one had a gag on them. Might be good to uh, invite everybody to carry this party out into the sewers, perhaps? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Gabranth is up next. Well, I think that I am totally going to make for the sewers. But before I do that, since I have a range of 60 feet on this spell, I'm going to cast Mind Spike on that one guard who ran away. He's yep. probably going to get a promotion for inviting his buddies to come back. But if I succeed this save, I know where he is at all times while we're on the same material plane. Okay. What uh, Does he have to roll a save or do you do an he attack roll? He is going to roll a wisdom saving throw. That is a three. So what happens to him? So he takes 3d8 psychic damage on a failed save. Go ahead and roll that. So seven. Okay. Seven. Okay. One more. Oh, but I roll this at third level, so I also get an additional d6. Go for it. (laughs) 14, 15, 16, because that was a two. And then my 1d6 is one. Is one. So are you familiar with Fist of the North Star? Oh, yeah. Do I blow him up? So you hear... That distinct sound of a skull buckling under the pressure of the expanding brain inside, followed by a pop like a champagne bottle. Arson, if you will. Hardy. <laughs> and then you hear no more alarm, alarm. Uh, you hear just uh, like a like the sound of a bag of shirts falling down the stairs. That famous sound of a bag of shirts. <laughs> they're so cute when they're headless. And that is gonna do it for the arresters. I want to use my awakened mind to telepathically speak with any creature that you see within 30 feet. Sure. And I'm going to speak to the incapacitated knight arrester and I'll say, you see what happens to your friends? You see what happens when you fuck with Rakdos? Go back. Go tell your leader. You tell him that if you meddle in the affairs of Rakdos and our show, you will be not but a steaming pile of entrails on the floor. <laughs> And then I'm going to turn around and float away. 
<laughs> All right, so as you float to the back of the stage, past Andorus into the opening that leads to the sewer, this message really starts to sink into the incapacitated knight who's staring wide-eyed at the ceiling. A puddle forms beneath him, and the knight has embarrassed himself there <laughs> on the lobby. <laughs> no prestidigitation required. Of the Is It Steamworks. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, uh, so that happened. <laughs> Next is his turn, and he is going to make a wisdom saving throw <laughs> to see if he can break out of this hold Andorus has over his body. Ah, okay. So he snaps out of it uh, in quite a state. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, I mean, geez, uh, what's my deity? Uh, oh, Esperia! Oh, great, mighty Gynosphinx! Oh, Gynosphinx. <laughs> and he, he uh, staggers to his feet, and uh, that's going to be the end of his turn because he has to roll on the end of his turn. Next up is Theodore. <laughs> is there a microphone anywhere? There is an amplification system on the stage, yes. A magic amplification system. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, what form does it take? Is it How big is it? Uh, it is the size of an old-timey radio mic. <laughs> cool. So um, I am going to make an exit uh, by taking that uh, magical speaking into device, picking it up and dropping it and (laughs) walking out the exit. (laughs) Here is your point of inspiration for making an exit. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, your whole turn, you were just going to uh, sashay away? Um, And I will also... I will throw both of my hands in the air and say, Humph! (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely making an exit. All right, so you have uh, made it out into the sewers. You've passed Andres, who is still standing there in uh, a yoga pose, Mm -hmm. and you've humphed your way out into the sewers. As one is wont to do. All right, so that is it for Theodore and uh, Barbara. Up next, you are standing where there were arresters uh, last time you uh, got your turn. But now there's the Philidar, the celestial cat beast. It's looking dazed and confused from the stunning strike. Behind the cat, uh, in the lobby, a very uncomfortable-looking knight dabbing at himself with his cape. (laughs) It's white no longer. (laughs) Right. And that's that's the only arrester left? Uh, that is the only one, uh, yeah, that you can see. Yeah, because we're, we're sending a message, I, I suppose. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm down for us to leave, like, one, one person. Survivor. Yeah, let, yeah. Him go, let him go tell his leader and, the tale of terror. And then I think, like, the audience is just going to, like, cause enough of a riot at this point that the arresters are going to get overpowered by the audience. I don't think, uh, <laughs> this has gone the way, uh, the, they, they intended, yeah. <laughs> So this, uh, the cat can like do damage to the Philidar, right? If I don't, if it's not taken care of, or is it just, is it just like more like a horse? Just remember that I'm on top of no. it. Uh, oh, you are. <laughs> yes, uh, Lilith is on top, and uh, until the end of Lilith's turn, the Philidar is stunned. Oh, okay. Okay, so don't worry, I might take care of it. Okay, sounds good. Uh, and the arrestor that's in the lobby is—is is he still sixty feet away from me? Uh, no, from where you are now, he's about fifteen feet. Um, 
I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go up and double attack him. Yeah, I just really love my bass guitar. Okay. So I'm gonna like bolt over to this guy, mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna go straight for the knees and do like a low swoop and like go for like his left knee, just like swipe to the left and just like try to, try to take out like both of his knees uh, with my axe. Okay, make an attack roll. <laughs> 16. 16. Okay, so that, uh, is that with the plus 6? Oh, no. Uh, so that'd be 22. All right, so that is definitely going to hit. Uh, so that's 1d6 plus 5 damage. Uh, 7 total. And uh, do you want to follow that up with a flourish, or do you want to just make a second straight attack? Yeah, I think I'll just do a second just, like, straight attack, just, like, while I'm up in his grill. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's a 4. That one's a 4. Did I break a knee? Oh! One of my prompts is break a leg. Alright, so that first one that did seven points of damage, uh, you swung at the knee and you used your theatrical prompt to break a leg, giving you a point of inspiration. Woohoo! Uh, which you can roll now Pretty. or save for later. Pretty. I think I'll just save that for later. So, yeah, you uh, saunter past the Philodar, who normally would be able to make an attack of opportunity, but because uh, his face is still numb from all the things Freya did to it, uh, it is unable to take any action against you. Uh, Lilith sees you pass by, kind of waves as you move around to the hind quarter of the Philodar, and kneecap this uh, knight who, you know, it doesn't seem like he's all that damaged, but he is looking alarmed and humiliate. <laughs> Sounds like every date I've ever been on. <laughs> uh, and so, like, and then, uh, sort of, so at the end of my turn, I can, like, kind of retreat. Uh, can I, like, sort of retreat to the hole, toward the hole? Yeah, so you moved about 10 feet into the lobby to kneecap him, and you can move another 20 back into the crowd. But he is going to make an opportunity attack. And we'll say with disadvantage because of his condition. And that is not going to be sufficient. So you make your way out into the crowd who now it's like the second Matrix movie. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're rubbing against each other and moaning and, oh. and doing the worm and uh, <laughs> tearing each other's hair out. They loved what Theodore did. Uh, and so now it's become sort of a trend. They're just grabbing clumps and, oh and tearing God. it out of each other <laughs> and, and loving it. Trend alert. Let's, let's get the, the blood sprinklers going. I can go from the Matrix to the point too. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, so I'm going to like make my my way back i guess basically like to back where i started but like on my way i'm just gonna like use my mage hand to like pet the kitty backwards a little bit <laughs> just kind of just kind of like piss it off sure while it's uh while it's stunned yeah you you do that and you see its eyes narrow and they're sort of a <laughs> i don't like you either pussy all right and with that back to the top of the order with lilith okay so this is gonna seem really crazy <laughs> Oh, hmm. oh, I'm but so surprised. I'm going to try to tame this Philodar. I mean, clearly not in this turn. It's going to take a while, but mm -hmm. I want to keep this pet. Uh, okay. So what I'm going to do... <laughs> You're evil and you want a celestial pet. That I do. Great. I'm going to bury my claws into the nape of its neck. <laughs> yeah, that's content. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to take hold and just like, I'm going to tell her, hey, kitty girl, it's your world. <laughs> now let's sissy this prance. Okay, roll animal handling. Um, oh, fuck me. Three. <laughs> Three. Uh, okay. You bury your claws into the nape of the Philodar's neck. It's paralyzed, but it still growls and shudders. 
And uh, Lilith, you lose your grip on the Philidar and tumble over its head onto the sticky floor among all the gore and molded earth and just sort of whatever else is on the floor of the club, some surprises down there. And fun fact about Philidar, some of you may actually know this already, but they magically bond with their rider. And this one is looking at you, and he has definitely uh, decided that you are not the rider he is magically bonded with. So this Philidar is still stunned until the end of this turn, but it is narrowing its eyes and it's making a sound in its throat, and uh, it is only a matter of seconds before it's not going to be stunned anymore. Are you going to try to move at all, or is that the... Um, you know what, since it's, um... It's now dangerous. So I'm going to um, dash towards the um, sewers. You're going to like scramble between people's legs because you're so small. (laughs) It's going to go. You can move a full 45 feet and uh, you go through that rippling wave of carnality, hop up onto the stage and scramble into the hole. So I think we may, are we ready to like just saunter on out and yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to like slowly lower myself out of this yoga pose and take a like a step back towards the the sewer area. Uh, as I go, I hold out my arms and I cast uh, mold earth one more time on the remaining brick wall around the edges of the hole. And on one side, uh, it's going to light up with neon words. On one side, it says Rakdos rules. And on the other <laughs> side, it says the Senate drools. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. And then I just back up, disappearing into the dark and gloom of the sewers. All right, so uh, that is going to exit Onderus from combat. And uh, just to keep track of where everyone is and what's going on, Gabranth floated out majestically into the sewer passage. Theodore whomped? What was the sound? Did you stop? Humph. <laughs> Theodore humped out. And uh, Onderus has uh, left with uh, a taunting message mm-hmm. behind. Yeah, so when they come to find us and see what happened, uh, they'll just have a little reminder of how much they stink. They'll know exactly yeah. who was here and exactly what happened. Before you go, do you have any last words for your zombie? Or are you just going to let him turn back into a body? Uh, because he was a knight, uh, I'll leave him with the words, my favorite time of day is night. <laughs> is he going to make any attacks or is he just is he done when you exit um i'm going to send him shambling towards that other knight arrester who we have humiliated <laughs> and just tell him to like flop forward and try to like pin him to the ground <laughs> okay so as he does that he's going to have to move past the philidar mm. that is going to use its reaction to make an attack of opportunity delightful okay so it's gonna use its claw <laughs> And it's going to miss. He's like shambling from side to side. He's a little like unpredictable. So he just like dodges out of the way without even noticing that he was being attacked. (laughs) And because it's a cat, it tries to make it look like it meant to do that. (laughs) All right. So uh, the zombie, is the zombie going to make an attack against the knight arrester? Uh, He's going to uh, slam into him and try to like just fall forward onto him and like knock him to the ground. Go ahead and make an attack roll. 18. Okay, and what damage does that do? I'm going to laugh. Instead of we send a message, we just kill this poor knight. Well, I mean, he's not poor, but... Four points of damage. And if that if that does kill him, uh, I don't want it to actually kill him. I just want it to knock him out. Oh, it doesn't kill him. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, no. All right, so he looks at his crotchless chap, the former companion, and... It's just like, oh, there's no end to these horrors. Oh, we've got to put an end to this cult for good. 
And uh, next up is the Philidar, who is going to wheel around and make another claw attack at the zombie. This time, uh, 16 plus 7, so that's 23. I believe that hits. That probably will hit, yes. And that's going to do... 17 points of damage to the zombie. <laughs> Ordinarily, the zombie would have an opportunity to make a constitution saving throw, but the DC for that would be 5 plus 17. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's going to work for him. Sure. Uh, so he bursts apart into a spray of fungal spores that uh, blows forward over that remaining knight arrester. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, he is having a very, very bad day. He holds his cape up to his nose because uh, he realized he just inhaled his friend. Yes. <laughs> and that's going to do it for our friend the zombie and the Philidar. There are no more arresters in the attack order. Gabranth has flown the coop. The night arrester is up next and he is going to dash up the stairs uh, and yell, alarm, alarm. Oh, oh, fiddle dee dee. Immediate assistance required. Fiddle dee dee, the battle cry of the Azoria Senate. Uh, and he is now 60 feet up the stairs and uh, on his way out to Tin Street. Bye. And that's going to do it for the night arrester. Uh, Theodore has also flown the coop. Barbara, you're up next. You are uh, in the throng of the crowd. There, There's bumping and grinding. You are about halfway between uh, the entrance and the stage, and the stage uh, has that wall right behind it that's been blown out into the sewers. I, I think I need some personal space, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm just going to use uh, my thunderclap cantrip to like create some space around me, <laughs> right. and maybe like, um, you know, thrust some partygoers into the air and away from me. Mm-hmm. And yes. <laughs> Exactly. Hopefully just like, yeah, like a, like a splash of water into a pool and just like whoops, uh, sort of like tumble away from me and then I feel like I just kind of want to like saunter back onto the stage and out the hole. Perfect. Alright, so I'm going to roll uh, for basically the entire crowd around you uh, <laughs> saving throw, which I think they have to beat a 15. Um, they actually did. They beat a 15. However, that doesn't mean they're not going to take the impact of that thunder wave and uh, thunder clap and ride the clap and uh, enjoy that concussive force sort of rippling out through them. Uh, it's kind of like a magic fingers bed. It gets them all the more excited uh, as you make your way. They're actually now, they're really into it. And so they part like the Red Sea as you move through uh, in adulation for this sensation that you've sort of rocked through their body. Do they do, is it like when a stadium does the wave? Yes. Ah. <laughs> it is exactly like that. And so uh, you saunter out of the hole and you are also out of combat. And you have all made your escape. Yeah. Leaving a scene of carnage and revelry behind. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I'm going to come back for that cap. I want a kitty. Oof, what a mess. As Barbara saunters through the hole into the Undercity, you all hear the Philidar roar and the sound of metal boots tromping through both levels of the club. The Azorius reinforcements have arrived and a voice cries out. Looks like Team Rakdos is blasting off again! (laughs) (laughs) It's super effective! And the Master of Ceremonies also turns and runs into the sewer passage with all of the revelers behind you. Oh no. Uh, You find your way deeper into the Undercity with the entire party entourage following you. 
uh, and you come across a member of the Golgari Swarm. They are the people who oversee the decomposition and removal of waste in the city of Ravnica. Uh, the Swarm is none too happy to have the party in their house. It's just like that movie where Queen Latifah and Amon go to the house party, except with fungus farming monster people. And uh, they want to get you out as soon as possible, so they guide you through the sewers to a manhole on Tin Street, where you emerge and uh, the party comes up, and now that the actual performance has ended, the thrall of the carnival is waning on the crowd. So in sort of a dazed stupor as the <laughs> sun starts to come up, uh, these people aren't really sure why they're they're coming out of a manhole. They're not really sure what happened the night before. They kind of have a headache. They're a little woozy. Some of them uh, have been tenderized by the thunderclap or have... Uh, <laughs> or by my trunk. Or by the trunk. <laughs> uh, it's a little tinnitus from the toll of the dead. Tinnitus. And... We're on Tin Street. Exactly yeah. right. Like, I remember something about a trunk and then I got the clap and uh, I don't know. I mean, isn't this how this usually happens when you come out of a manhole? Can I flirt with one of the Golgari? Sure. Roll just a straight charisma check. 18. Okay, the Golgari's into it. What happens? I just kind of like bat my eyes and waft a few of my spores in his direction. And filaments of mold are like uh, growing over our clothing. Uh, and so we kind of like rub against each other to uh, basically make a, a fungal mutation between our, our merging, our blending <laughs> strains of uh, mushrooms. Uh, I'm still hung up on you batting your eyes. I, I feel like there's a scene in Dumbo where he does that and he has oh, yeah. very long oh, lashes. lashes. And they all I mean, elephants do have really long lashes. As though they're lighter than the air, and they go... So, do we want to establish that? Does Andres have... Is Andres sort of, like, kind of moldy and, and, and fungal, but has just gorgeous lashes? Yes, absolutely. The fungus isn't great for his health, but it is wonderful for his skin. It keeps him youthful and rejuvenated. <laughs> it's like, what's the lash? Is it Lalique? Latisse. Latisse. Not Lalique. <laughs> you, but, yeah. You've, you've got, a, like, a bladder in your body that carries kombucha, which is great great for hair, nail, and gut growth. <laughs> yeah, I've got like just a, a, a culture that sort of like hovers in the air around me and promotes lash growth. A SCOBY. Your mm. mo- that's your mother. Yep. That's queer culture. So the crowd is dispersing into the streets, woozy, uh, and the master of ceremonies comes up out of the manhole behind you and is like, something simply must be done about these raids. The Azorius Senate has gone too far. I suggest we make our way to the guild hall and speak to Rakdos himself. That sounds good to me. I'm tired of having my performances interrupted. If I have to stop another show mid-performance, I don't know what I'll do. (laughs) I'm like, whatever, I'm down for anything. All right, so as the sun is rising, you make your way uh, downtown, faces pass, you're homebound. You end up at the guild hall, the gore house. But da 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 at the Gore House. <laughs> the Gore House, a converted factory run by Neozer, one of the lizard folk. Uh, it still has not been shut down by the Azorius Senate. You know that beneath the Gore House, there is a long red stairway known as the Demon's Vestibule. And beyond it, Rix Madi, the dungeon palace and lair of the demon Rakdos himself. Uh, and as you enter, you are greeted by a reptilian figure who says, Welcome. I've been expecting you. 
I hold out my trunk. Anders, how do you do? Pleased to meet you. Uh, the lizard grips the trunk and uh, kind of noodles it around. <laughs> the great Rakdos has chosen the five of you for a thrilling mission that will put an end to the club closures. I mean, I've worked in a few of the clubs, or at least one or two, and... Uh, there's a few people in the Senate who regular these places, so um, maybe we can find a way to blackmail these guys. Indeed, your unique contacts, allies, and rivals are the reason you have been selected for this task. You intrigue, Rakdos. Don't flatter me. <laughs> when is the next courtly event that we might utilize these contacts, have them all in the same place, and meet with people that we might know from other guilds? We cannot wait for any special event. Rakdos wishes us to strike tonight. Seek your contacts, allies, and rivals, and discover who is behind the raids. Learn all you can about this individual. It could be an Azorius senator, or it might be a member of the Boros Legion, or the Orzov Syndicate that's forcing the Senate's hand. Then... Get as much dirt on that person as possible so that you can mount the most humiliating show in Ravnica's history. You will expose their secrets. You will shame them. You will create a show so compelling that people will gather for miles and riot. Then we take back what is ours? Hi, this is your substitute DM, James. Thanks for joining us on this special adventure in Ravnica. Have we seen the last of the Cult of Rakdos? Who knows? Huge thanks to Wizards of the Coast for letting us preview the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica for this special session. In addition to being a great new setting based on Magic the Gathering, the guide's got new creatures, magic items, races, and subclasses that you can use in any campaign. And the Ten Guilds of Ravnica are great, because you can use them as a starting point for your adventure or to create your villain, uh, and there are tons of hooks between them that generate so many adventure ideas. We had a lot of fun with the Cult of Rakdos, but if murder clowns aren't your thing, there's so much variety in the different guilds that you'll probably find one you're really into. You can get your hands on the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica on November 20th. Thanks to the D20 Dames who invited us to participate in this special round of Ravnica podcasts. If you haven't yet, check out the D20 Dames as well as the other podcasts with special Ravnica episodes, Rivals of Waterdeep, Fate and the Fable Maidens, Dames and Dragons, RPG Academy, Dungeons, Dice, and Everything Nice, Very Random Encounters, Trapped in the Birdcage, and Dum Dum Die. As always, big thanks to our Kickstarter sponsor, Russell Bloomdale. Thanks to Sam Antonioli and Major Scales for original music. This episode contains the tracks Black Vortex, Crypto, Gaslamp Funworks, and Morgana Rides by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Thanks to Chad Sell for the podcast art. Thanks to the players, Harlot Oscara, Butelino Kipple, Arson Nikki, and Freya Love. You can find all of them online. And of course, thank you to our regular dungeon master, Matt Baum, who, after a year, has finally gotten to play the game. We have bonus episodes and playable content that Kickstarter and Patreon backers can download. Head over to patreon.com slash queensofadventure to support the show and get access to our bonus content. Chat with us between episodes on Twitter and on Discord. Links to those are at queensofadventure.com. And until next time, sissy that roll. 